right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. And on today's edition of the show, great entrance from you there. Hey. Uh, we are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. I wanted to see how long you would wait. We're going to be talking not long. The show goes on without you. Uh, we're going to be talking KUUCF. We're going to be previewing that game tomorrow, which you can be heard right here on KLWN. Kickoff 3 o'clock, Crimson and Blue, one thirty, And our live pregame show at Mama's Tamale Shop. Or, I'm sorry, at Big Mill. Big Mill. Big Mill, Big, big Mill. Mill, Big Mill. Our, our live show at Big Mill tomorrow will be from 1230 to 1.30. Kiss Crew is going to be out at Big Mill from 1230 to 2.30. We're going to have Oklahoma tickets. T-shirts, gift cards, plenty of other stuff to give away over at Big Mill tomorrow. We've also got high school football on the airwaves tonight. Lawrence High here at 7 on KLWN. Free State at 7 over on 92.9 The Bowl. So uh, lots of football action coming at you all weekend long. Kansas takes on UCF tomorrow. How important is this game? Well, it's pretty important, as all games are. What Uh, What did we decide on for the Texas game? We put it at like five. Because we said if you win the game, it's a yeah, 10. But yeah. if you lose the game, it wasn't a huge deal. And that was obviously before Jalen was out. Correct. Uh, which, uh, I don't know how much that changes it. But, yeah, I think at this, for me, and I think this is even what I picked in the preseason picks. I have to go back and listen to what I said. Although I don't want to hear myself because I probably said some dumb stuff. But uh, I think what I said in the preseason with the game picks was, when we picked the schedule, go 1-1 one one between UCF and BYU at home. You won against BYU, right? And now you're in a situation where if you just go one and one between UCF and Oklahoma State in your next two games, and you're four and two or five and you'd be four and two or five and two at that five point. and two at that five point. and two because you're four and one right now. You'd be five and two going into the bye with now you know with Oklahoma coming to town. You still have Texas Tech at home and Kansas State at home, plus uh, Iowa State, Cincinnati, like w- very winnable games left to get you just that one more game you need for bowl eligibility. So I think if you go one and one in these next two games against UCF and Oklahoma State, you feel pretty good. Now, UCF obviously the one being at home, so you would lean towards saying maybe that's the game you would want to win or have a better chance to win versus the Oklahoma State game. Oklahoma State obviously is is uh, been floundering, and they haven't. They actually are playing tonight, by the way, against Kansas State. A little Friday night football. Shout out to Brett Yormark uh, for doing that one. Although actually, now that I recall, I think that was actually implemented before Brett officially took over. The, well, he wants more of them. Yes, yes. But I'm sure that game, yes, this year was probably scheduled a ways out. I don't know. Yeah. So K-State's playing Oklahoma State uh, tonight. Uh, so maybe uh, we'll see what happens with that game. Maybe that makes you feel better or worse about K-State going or KU going to Stillwater next weekend. But, yeah, if you just go one-on-one these next two games. So from that standpoint, it's seeming at this point that Jalen Daniels is not going to play. So Jason Bean probably going to start for KU. With Jason Bean starting, would you say that increases or decreases the importance of the game in your eyes? 
Um, on one hand, I, I don't know, man. It's, I know, it's tough to say because it's like because on one hand, it's less of a big deal if you lose because you're like you're without Jalen Daniels for what it means about the team, but also it is a bigger deal because then it would represent that. Okay, I, I'm trying to think back. Jason Bean started the first nine games for KU. One was against a FCS opponent uh, for 2021. He went 0 and 8 against FBS opponents last year. He started. Four games? I think it was three and a half. Three and a half. He started the second half against TCU. We yeah. don't count that one against him, but then he started the uh, the Baylor, Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Am I missing one? And I think that's it. Texas and then Tech. second half. Texas Tech okay, Texas Tech. So there you go. So that puts you one half. and three against FBS opponents of the starter. And now this year, you're 0 and 1 with the Texas game. So I, I know there's a lot of circumstances that derive around this, but still, that is not a pretty record when you say Jason Bean is 1 and 12 against FBS opponents as a starter at Kansas. And again, there are other situations that go around that, that it isn't just about Jason Bean. But and obviously the team now is a lot different than 2021 right. when Correct. he started a majority of the game. Yeah, that game. And Jason Bean, I right. think, is a lot better now than it he is. was. And at the same point, yeah. So um, I think it is very important that you win this game with Jason Bean to give you confidence and to give even the fan base confidence that, like, yes, you can still win games not just win a game, which they did last year, Oklahoma State. You showed that you could win a game with Jason Bean. But at this point, like you need to show you can win games, plural, with Jason Bean. Sure. We don't know how long Jalen Daniels is going to be out. So I think from that standpoint, it is very important they win this game. And yeah. also to your point on the one-and-one one thing, you're right. If they go one-and-one one these next two, five-and-two, that looks good going yes. into the bye. Still, though, think about it this way. If you go one-and-one one the next two, coming out of the bye, you're going to be underdogs to Oklahoma. Yes. I mean, we'll see what Oklahoma does these next few weeks, but I would think you're probably going to be double-digit point underdogs to Oklahoma. Potentially. All of a sudden, at that point, you're going to be favored to be five and three. And guess what your record last year was through the first eight games? Five and three. But and then you won that next game. You, you did. Six and three. I think, you did. Right? So there, yeah. there is pressure at that point for KU that if you do only go one and one these next two, then all of a sudden you're in a situation where it's like, are we sure this team's going to finish with a better record than last year? And also, if you lose this game, it puts a ton of pressure to win at Oklahoma State. Because if you if you lose this game yeah, and no, then lose to Oklahoma like, State, yeah, I think that's I a think little you, scary to your bowl you eligibility. Absolutely, have to go one and one. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> to your point, if you win against UCF, then the Oklahoma State game you'd like to go on the road and win. But maybe even if you end up losing that one, you don't feel as bad because you're you know you'll be five and two at that point. So maybe that does put more pressure on this game because it's at home, and if you win this game, then the pressure's off against Oklahoma State to win on the road. Uh yeah no I uh, dude zero and two in your next two and you're four and three going into the bye, I think there's gonna be uh, let's say you're zero and two in the next two and Jalen Daniels doesn't play and there's no updates regarding his future status and it's you know it's still kind of still kind of in the dark on that one going into the bye I think there will be a lot of concern at mm -hmm. that point a lot of concern I think so too so uh, I actually but, think so it's not the most again, important game no I do agree with you. You can bounce back and beat Oklahoma State, and, and you still have opportunities in front of you, but I think also what this signifies, I would put this at like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'd probably go in that same same area. This is a game where you're playing an opponent of similar caliber, yes, I would too. say, and you're at home. And in college football, when you're at home against an opponent of similar caliber, you need to win those games. Yeah, because I think this is what it signifies to me. If you lose this game... We probably are talking, and again, it is still dependent on the Jalen Daniels like, injury. You lose this game, you're talking probably five to seven wins this year. You I've, win this game, I think the dream of possibly getting eight plus wins is still there. I, I mean, I've said it before, honestly. Like, I don't. If you're six and six versus seven and five, I don't really care. You're going to a bowl either way. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't. 
to me, that doesn't matter. If once you're bowl eligible, and you know now, now what does matter is if you're versus between six and six and eight and four. There's a there's a difference there, but I, I I don't know. I think you're splitting hairs if you're between six and six and seven and five because you're probably going to end up going to around the same caliber bowl either way, and you're going to a bowl, another bowl game anyways. Mm-hmm. And at that point, go in the bowl game, and who cares? So I I don't know. I would I would push back on the idea of like, oh, you know, if they don't finish with a better record this year than they did last year, then it's not good. No, if you're six and six and you're going to another bowl. Literally, who cares? Not me. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever bowl you're going to, I'll be there, and it'll be a fun time. I don't care. All right, uh, what scares you most about what UCF does well? <sighs> Man, I, I mean, I think this kind of goes back to the question of John Rice Plumley and how effective is he going to be with his legs? Because if he is vintage John Rice Plumley, a guy who ran for a, a, over 800 yards last year, that is probably the most scary thing. Because KU now, it's not just a one-off thing. They have shown a pattern of having trouble uh, containing quarterbacks that are capable of scrambling. It's happened in multiple games in a row. You go back to the even back to the Missouri State game. Uh, Jacob Clark, I think, was the Missouri State quarterback's name. He even had some rushing lanes. At yeah, times. that one big one. Yeah. yeah. Then you go to the Nevada game. There was some rushing lanes there. You go to the Illinois game. You give up the long touchdown to Luke Altmaier. Uh, against BYU, it wasn't a factor because Keaton Slovis is a statue. Then you, then you go to the Texas game, and Quinn Ewers has a touchdown run. So I think it's safe to say that KU has a problem right now with dealing with quarterbacks who are capable scramblers. And John Rice Plumley, again, depending on his health, is the is the, the best of the best when it comes to that type of thing. So that really does scare me. But, but if John Rice Plumley is, is hobbled or in any way not fully 100%, that really helps out Kansas, obviously. But I think you still have to be concerned about the ground game for for UCF because KU got, I mean, pretty much dominated by mm-hmm. Texas, right, at the line of scrimmage. And Texas wore them down, and, and it showed. You wonder how much that affects the mental psyche of, of the defensive front, right? And then you come in and face another team that can run the ball pretty well in UCF. If you let that compound and UCF is able to, to break tackles and create open holes in the ground game, that's that's a problem. So overall, the ground game for UCF, and that's been the big talking point, I think, for a majority of the week has been the, the rushing attack of UCF. But I think when you look back at how the Texas game went, you can't let that carry over into this game against UCF. And with John Rice Plumley's ability, you know, we'll see early in the game what his what his abilities are, and if he is on and, and looks healthy, that could be a real issue for Kansas. I think. My biggest worry is that UCF is going to score like forty-five points. Um, I'm expecting the KU offense to have some success. I, I The UCF defense is opportunistic. They have good enough players that it's not just going to be easy for KU. They'll make some plays. They'll make some stops. But I think KU has enough there with the running game, with Jason Bean making some big plays, that I, I expect Kansas to score 30-plus, and you're going to have to, I think, if you win this game. My worry is that you're going to give up 40-plus and that the offense is going to put up 31, 34, 38, and it's not going to be enough. And my biggest worry there is because of the explosiveness of UCF and KU struggles tackling the football. So it goes back in line what you were talking about with John Rice Plumley, his running ability. Okay, he's tough to tackle in the open field. His 19 carries for 163 yards. That's 8.6 per carry. Johnny Richardson, their lead running back, is averaging 8.8 yards per carry. RJ Harvey, more of a bell cow, but he's still averaging over 5 yards per carry for them. And then at the receiver position, Kobe Hudson is averaging 22 yards a catch. Javon Baker, 19 and a half. 
RJ Harvey's averaging over 21 yards per catch as a running back. Those three guys have combined for about 1,000 receiving yards through the first five games for UCF. And again, it's basically over 20 yards per catch. This is an explosive team. You have to be able to tackle in the open field. Kansas has alternated good and bad tackling games. They were bad against Missouri State. They were good in week two against Illinois. They were bad against Nevada. Then they were good against BYU, but they're not an explosive team. And then they're bad against Texas. Overall, right now, on Pro Football Focus, after the games last night and everything's been added in, Kansas is 94th in the country in tackling grade on Pro Football Focus. That is what scares me the most. UCF is going to put up 42, 45, 52 points, and that even if Jason Bean and the offense play well, but not perfect, it's not going to be enough. Yeah, and it's a situation where if it's like a 38-35 game, UCF is up in the fourth quarter, and you have Jalen Daniels on your sideline if you're Kansas, you feel pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. If it's 38-35 in the fourth quarter, with Jason Bean, you probably don't feel as good. And I hate to say it that way because it sounds like it's a knock against Jason Bean or that you know you don't believe in Jason Bean, but it's just not the same, right? It's just not the same. There's not that same level of, of confidence, that same level of swagger that we see from Jalen Daniels, especially in clutch moments. Uh, I mean, how many clips of Jalen Daniels from last season? You, know, you go back to like the West Virginia game, right, where West Virginia scores and they had that. there's that f- video of Jalen Daniels where he just puts the helmet on and it's like, all right, let's go do it. There's, I don't know. You just you don't always see that same level of fire from Jason Bean, right? And if this is a one-score game late in the fourth quarter, that's where you'll probably miss Jalen Daniels the most, right? I I kind of agree with you on the sense of I have a lot of confidence that the Kansas offense is going to be able to move and move the ball and score points with Jason Bean. I, I have no issue with that. But again, if it's a close game late, if you need a clutch drive from Jason Bean, does he have it in him? I I hope he does. And uh, again, I I don't want to. St- make this seem like I'm just dogging on Jason Bean. I don't think he's very good because I think he is definitely a, a good quarterback and KU is very, very fortunate to have him on the roster uh, considering the circumstances because otherwise he'd be rolling out Cole Ballard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So uh, KU's By very the way, lucky that is a little him. scary that you are one hit away from Jason Bean from going to a true freshman walk-on quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you I think you brought up this point when we talked about this previously, but Hypothetically, if Jason Bean had not come back, you would think that probably Ethan Vasco would have stuck around. Maybe. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can't be sure. You know, hindsight's kind of twenty twenty on that one. We don't really know. Uh, but that, but still, point case in point, right? So that's kind of where I'm concerned is if this is a close game late, Jason Bean and he needs to step up and have a have a you know a clutch drive to go down and win it or, or ice the game. Can he do that? And I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying maybe we haven't seen it. I mean, you listed the numbers against FBS opponents. He he doesn't have a lot of success against FBS opponents in Kansas, and and I I I those numbers are important, but it is important to contextualize those a little bit, right? I mean, obviously KU is in a, a totally different team from where they were two years ago when Jason Bean started a majority of the games, but but still, it is important to, to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you think KU maybe has the biggest edge in over UCF? Hmm, I, I don't know. I mean, these are two pretty evenly matched teams, right? I think you you look at the offensive, you look at the trenches. KU's offensive line very good. UCF's defensive line they they're a bit injured actually. They have but they do have a uh, a guy on there that's a top 120 recruit I think in the country. But he's been hurt a little bit uh, in the middle of their D line. Then you go to the running back position. KU's got two great running backs. UCF's got two great running backs. You look at the wide they're receiver. Very position. similar. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the wide receiver position. KU has some quality receivers. UCF has some quality receivers. You look at the on the defensive side. At your linebacker position, you might even favor UCF with their linebackers against KU's linebackers. You go to the secondary. KU has some quality secondary players. UCF has a couple of different guys in the secondary that have played pretty well as well. Uh, I think if Jalen Daniels is playing this game, you would say KU has the advantage at quarterback, right? I think you would take Jalen Daniels over John Rice Plumley yes. all every day of the week. 
but that's not the case. So now the quarterback, I would say at this point, is maybe kind of a wash because you have Jason Bean and you have a John Rice Palmy that maybe is not fully healthy. So that kind of leaves one area where I think KU might have the edge, and that's with KU's tight ends. Mason Fairchild is a guy that people think is going to be playing on Sundays. Haven't really seen that level of play from him yet this season. You got Jared Casey, who's an, obviously an excellent blocker. Trevor Cardell's been utilized in certain areas uh, over the course of the season. Maybe you look to utilize those guys in the middle of the field a little bit and and get them in the, get them involved in the red zone. And that's an area where I think KU probably does have advantages. I think you would definitely take that uh, tight end room for Kansas over what UCF has. Yep, I, I think that's a good one. Uh, I think turnovers could be an answer here. Now it might be a little bit different with Jason Bean because at times he has put the ball at risk, not to an alarming rate, but you know they're they're usually about two throws every game that are going to be up at risk. It'll depend if it is intercepted or not. Um, UCF, though, has turned the ball over nine times offensively this year. They've gotten back five the other way, so they're minus four. So uh, we'll see if that can be something that KU can take advantage. I also do think that, yeah, KU, for the most part, will have an advantage on the UCF defense. Um, I will say the the UCF defense giving up those 281 rushing yards to Kansas State, that kind of makes you think like, oh, they're super – uh, penetrable against the run. Outside of that game, they've been okay against it. Kent State, 94 yards on 2.6 per carry. Boise State had 173 on 4.4 per carry. Villanova had 2.8 um, yards per carry. And then Baylor had 3.6 yards per carry. So, I mean, outside of that, they've been okay. Now, a lot of those other games aren't great opponents. So, you know, that certainly helps. And, and maybe Kansas State, some of what they're doing running the football, maybe you can replicate some of those things if you're Kansas with some of your talented backs and stuff. Um I do think Kansas is going to be able to move the football well. It's just going to be a matter of can you convert when you are moving the football? Can you put in touchdowns in the red zone? Can you avoid those fatal mistakes, those fatal interceptions, or yeah. uh, different kind of, I don't know, shooting yourself in the foot, so to speak? I mean, when you, when you have a, a line like this where you know it's within less than two points, basically, or less than three points, and you have two teams that do a lot of things well similarly, it really comes down to execution, and it comes down to those critical things that you that you highlight a little bit. Turnovers. Red zone execution and, and third downs, right? And Kansas obviously has a lot of ground to make up after last week where they didn't convert a single third down or fourth down. But those are really the areas where I think take on heightened importance when you've got an opponent that is uh, similar in a lot of ways and similar skill sets, if you like. KU's got to capitalize when they are moving the ball successfully with touchdowns. they got to convert on third downs and avoid turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I just saw KU announce this for the uh, students going to the game. Yeah, they announced a bunch of stuff. Yeah, they're giving out a thousand reusable water bottles, and they have water station filling stations at the uh, game. Third yeah. quarter discounted concession stand prices if you have a student ID. So I'm gonna need somebody to get me a fake. I student have ID. my student ID. Oh, you, it, you lucky it, man! Do you think it would work? Probably. If I just show it to him? Because who's to say that dude, you couldn't But, dude, the problem just... is I look like I'm 15 in my student ID picture. Uh, well, I don't know. For all the for all they know, you've been in school since... When did you but graduate? 2017? I graduated no, in 2020. Was, okay, 2020. For all you know, you they you could be a graduate student right now. You could be a, a, a student trying to get your doctor, and that would be three years after. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but on my student ID, hmm. it does not have an expiration on it. Like, it doesn't say, like, invalid after whatever. Okay. It just yeah, has an issuance date. No, because they never put the invalid. Here, I'm showing, again, I'm, I'm, I know we're on radio, but I'm showing it to you yeah. right now. No, no. Again, like, that, they, that they never put the, yes, they never put but the dude, invalid. I look like you look 15. so young in there. You do. But I know. Again, if you were going for your doctorate right now, you'd be in, like, your third year of doing that. So you would be using that same student well, ID. I just need to tell know? them I'm a doctorate student. Yeah, I guess so. I think that would work. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I guess if you have your student ID, there you go. They're also doing a cash giveaway. Five winners of $500 each. You must be present when your name is called, and they are doing a free pregame student tailgate on the Hill. So that's pretty cool of uh, Travis Goff and KU. 
I think a good idea to try to, you know, not just make sure you yeah. get student and attendance, which there has been really think, good student attendance, but to make sure they stay. Exactly. The yeah. The biggest thing that jumped out to me there is the discounted concession in the third quarter. That's a, a tactic. And the cash giveaway, you have yeah. to be there to win. That, that is a, which they'll probably that do is in the a, fourth quarter. That is a sneaky tactic to make sure that, that students and people stay in the stadium in the second half. By the way, I will say, I, I haven't seen it be announced as a sellout, but I, I think it's very, very close. It's very close. So yeah. you can get your tickets in, in whatever way. Um, I would imagine this game is going to be like I, I don't think there's going to be a huge contingency of UCF fans traveling for this. Probably not. I don't know. I mean, maybe flying like from not more... nearly compared to like BYU. Oh yeah, no, yeah. not compared to BYU. Well, actually, at the BYU game, I was I talked to some BYU fans that are just from uh, from like Missouri. Right. Well, you're you BYU have fans the, in you Missouri. Have the church impact of yeah. it, where there are people who are you know maybe you're Mormon and you live in like you said Missouri or in Wichita or somewhere nearby. So and you're for like, those BYU fans, opportunity to come out. Yeah, for those BYU fans, it was like an hour drive. Right. Obviously for. UCF fans, not the case, but I don't know. Maybe you can get some cheap flights from Orlando to Kansas City and maybe make it make the trek down. All right, KU wins if what? Mm. I think KU wins if if they play their game offensively and they they stick to it. You know, I, I think against Texas, they kind of went away from some stuff that was working a little bit for them that hurt them a little bit, and maybe they got they were probably just rattled given the circumstances. If they stick to their game offensively, I, I think they'll have a pretty good chance to win because I, I think the offense is going to be successful uh, moving the ball. And Again, I think for KU, you, you don't want to be attempting any field goals. No field goals. If you're going down and getting touchdowns, that's a big bonus. And obviously I want to see the third down conversion percentage be significantly higher. I mean, it's impossible for it to be lower. <laughs> it was zero mm-hmm. against Texas. So – I want to see that higher, and I think if KU does those things well and just plays with themselves, they, they should have a chance to win. Yeah, so I have a couple ways of looking at this. One, I think KU wins if you hold UCF under 30 points. I'll even say like 31 or less. I think you feel good about winning. Yeah. Um, I'll also say if Jason Bean avoids the fatal flaw, if he avoids that fatal interception or two in the game. Yeah. And then it, it just kind of building off that, if Jason Bean plays an A or B-plus game, I think they win the game. But I don't think you can get away with Jason Bean playing a B-minus game and winning this one. I, I think, think UCF you, has too much firepower. I think you maybe can if the KU run game is just really, really rolling. And Jason Bean doesn't have to really do a whole lot. you know. But I agree with you. I think Jason Bean definitely has to play pretty well. Mm-hmm. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. We've got another segment of What Did I Miss? Some... Uh, Quotes and uh, different audio clips from the week of that was KU Athletics this week. We also have some uh, Rich Miller audio to get to, Devin Neal audio to get to, Cornell Wheeler audio to get to coming up throughout the show. We've also got our game picks. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is going to join us at 4.30 and uh, more KU football talk coming at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We have high school football coming at you tonight on our airwaves over on 929 The Bowl and Bowl929.com. Nick's going to be on the call with Craig Hershiser, Free State of Shawnee Mission North. That one at 7 o'clock, pregame at 645. Thoughts on, on the Bison? The Bison. Yeah, it's an interesting matchup. They're a pretty balanced team, uh, and they lost, to, they lost to Lawrence, actually, mm-hmm. last Friday. 37-22. Uh, and Free State's been looking really good, man. They had a really, really strong game against Shawnee Mission South. They kind of just gave up. They, I mean, they got up 42-10 to 10 at the end of the uh, first half and then just kind of mailed it in for the second half and got home with a W. Uh, so they haven't really been tested, I guess, the past couple weeks. But they were tested earlier in the season. I mean, they had a, literally a last-second goal line stand against the Lady East. So, uh, you know, they're certainly a battle-tested team. And 
And it feels like their offense is finally getting to where I think they want it to be, which is this is the right time for it, for it to start clicking. Yep, it is. So uh, that one is 7 o'clock on 92.9 The Bowl pregame at 645 for Free State. Looking to stay undefeated at Shawnee Mission North. Lawrence High will be right here on KLWN. I'll be on the call with Matt Llewellyn. Lawrence High's 4-1. and one. They're playing the undefeated number one ranked team in 6A in Gardner-Edgerton. So that should be a really good game. And, uh, and you can hear it here on KLWN. Next week. City Showdown. That's right. City Showdown. I'll be on the call of that one with Craig Hersheiser. That'll be over at Free State High School. So uh, we'll be looking forward to that one, too. And this is a tough stretch for Lawrence High certainly having to go Gardner and then Free State back-to-back. Uh, Free, State Free State's got a Latham North, I think. The week after. after so they'll yeah. have a tough two-game stretch there. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be tough for kind of everybody involved. But uh, so far, so good for the two high school teams. Combined to 9-1 record between the two of them. So hear that action tonight. And you can watch the LHS game on KLWN.com with our radio feed. We also have our show at Big Mill tomorrow. That'll be here on KLWN, 1230 to 130. And you can come out to Big Mill. Kiss Crew is going to be there 1230 to 230. Big Mill is going to have all sorts of game day specials. I know in the past they've done 25% off of drinks on game day before the game. So uh, I would imagine they're going to probably do something similar to that again. Yep. Um, we're going to have gift cards to give away. We're going to have tickets to the KUOU homecoming game to give away. It's a 3 o'clock game, so you know you're going to want to get yourself some pregame lunch. That's right. Big Mill's the place to be. Yeah, and you can even go there after the game, too, and have dinner because it'll be perfectly right around dinner time. It's walking distance to the stadium and 9th of Mississippi at Big Mill. But if you come before the game, all you got to do is walk by, spin the prize wheel. It's that easy. It's that free. Um, it is that quick. And and who doesn't love spinning a prize wheel? Exactly. And you win free stuff. I mean, I would just spin a prize wheel even if there wasn't anything to win yeah. on it. And we do have give it a spin. stuff. Shirts, tickets, <laughs> gift cards, mini footballs, I don't know, all sorts <laughs> of stuff over at uh, Big Mill ahead of the game. Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports is going to join us in about 20 minutes from right now. We'll have our game picks a little bit after that. More KU football talk and more KU football and KU basketball audio coming in the 5 o'clock hour, late night in the fog tonight. Uh, before we get to any of that... Uh, part of the stuff we're going to be giving away is some stuff from Grandstand, so uh, make sure to stop by and you can maybe get some of that free stuff from Grandstand. You may not have heard of them, but since 1988, they've been making some of the coolest branded items for your favorite craft beverage brands. We're talking glasses, shirts, hats, giveaways, you name it, they can do it. They provided us with uh, a lot of that type of gear, including our mini footballs. And uh, if you're looking for a job, too, they're always on the lookout for great new team members. They're located right here in Lawrence, so don't worry about that long commute. The process is a cool blend of personal skill mixed with top-of-the-line technology, so it's not a surprise that everything they make is top, top quality. On top of all that, they have an air-conditioned production floor, an on-site gym with personal trainers, company events, and a great salary and benefits packages. Plus, you get to help grow craft beer and spirits brands. So check them out at egrandstand.com. To learn more if you want any customized gear or go to egrandstand.com slash careers to learn more about the job openings. That's the letter E, grandstand.com slash careers. Kansas City Chiefs take on the uh, Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota on Sunday. It'll be the afternoon game. And is the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey conversation, is it dead? People are saying... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that uh, that Taylor Swift didn't spend Travis Kelsey's 34th birthday with him. Wow. Is it over? Wow. Is it yeah, already so his over? His birthday was what? Uh, Wednesday? Yeah. Yesterday? It was either yesterday or Wednesday. Okay, yeah. So 34 years old for Travis Kelsey. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and then you got the stuff going on with Aaron Rodgers. And then you got Tyreek Hill being a clown again. And like, dude, it's so... It's so exhausting. You're tired of the off the field stuff. Dude, it's so exhausting. I don't even like and I've said it before, I'll say it again. The Taylor Swift stuff doesn't bother me at all. Like I don't really care. I mean, I like Taylor Swift. She's got good music. So what the heck? Who cares? You know, whatever. 
Uh, but yeah, dude. Are you saying stupid... you would not approve of it if you didn't like the person's music? I would be more annoyed. Yes. <laughs> yes. If I did not like the person's music, I would be more annoyed. But would you not appreciate the honesty? Would you not? I I don't really care either way, to be <laughs> honest. Like, it was some. It like if it was like a country music star, and I don't like country. No, music. I've I've always maintained as long as it is not interrupting, like. Like if you start doing a split screen where during the middle of the play I'm having to watch Taylor Swift in the in the whatever I don't know press box or, or whatever the box is called the the sweet box or whatever at that point I'm going to get annoyed but if you're just showing me celebrities in the crowd during cutaways in between the plays when there's not actually any action yeah, I mean, going on I don't care What's the difference between them cutting to Taylor Swift versus every cutting other game Reed. where they cut to every other celebrity that's there. Yeah or cutting to fa- random fans that I don't know I I don't care that, that does nothing for me <laughs> So yeah, it's only if it starts impacting the way I'm watching the game, which it hasn't to this point. So I, I just don't really, I, I don't know. I'm kind of uh, apathetic to it, I guess. Yeah, and I, I trust that uh, Mr. Pfizer is doing the right thing, and uh, <laughs> you know he's got everything under control there. So uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I think maybe I, I don't know. I don't really know if you, I would say this is underrated, but something that I've actually noticed with Travis Kelsey is, and he actually mentioned that he had a media availability where he talked about this a little bit today, where. Travis Kelsey actually, for the amount of like chicanery and wild stuff that he does, like off the field and whatnot, he actually does a very good job of maintaining that, keeping that away from football, right? Like, not there are a lot of players that maybe blur the lines between that stuff off the field, on the field. I feel like Travis Kelsey's always been a guy who is like during games and things like that, extremely, extremely locked in, which I guess is, again, I don't, is that, that's not underrated, but it's like a, a trait about him that is good. I guess. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Well, I, I do feel like, though, with Kelsey, they, they've put so much on him because of the lack of receivers. We'll see if the receivers start to break out, if this week can help. Um, because when you're looking at this game, the biggest thing to me is, is Mahomes going to ba- bounce back? Because that was uh, not a good game that he played against the Jets. And there were mm-hmm. a lot of people wondering if it was because of the the rolled ankle that he wasn't getting all of it onto his passes. Yeah. If it looks more the same this game, I think that's going to start to be the story and start to be like, uh-oh, what's going on? And that's especially scary when you're talking about a young, inexperienced receiver core that, that can't help you as much as maybe a better one possibly could. So that's going to be the number one thing here. You're looking for Patrick Mahomes just to look like Patrick Mahomes. Yes, just to just to do Patrick Mahomes stuff. I talked about this after the game on, on Sunday night earlier in the week, but Mahomes makes throws that any other quarterback, you'd be like, that is incredibly stupid. Why did he do that? What is he doing? And with Mahomes, it's fine because he can make those throws. But you saw what happened against the Jets. They were on both of his interceptions. He's yeah. trying to do he's trying to make a Mahomes throw and it did work, and so it looked really, really bad and stupid, and I got inter- intercepted. So, yeah, I do want to see Mahomes look more normal, more like Mahomes. Uh, and obviously you still have Pacheco, and hopefully he can build off of the performance he had against the Jets and Travis Kelsey and everything. And, like, I mean, I think the offense for the Chiefs is going to be fine, right? I mean, I'm not worried. Are you, are you worried? You're not worried, are you? But the Chiefs' offense? No, I'm not worried. Worried. Now the other thing is, I don't want to overreact too hard to this game because the Vikings' defense. Well, let me put it this way: without worry, I'm not worried to a point where I'm like, "Oh, the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs, or the Chiefs are screwed, or the Chiefs can't win the Super." No, I'm not worried to that level. Am I worried to the level of this could be a problem when you're in the AFC divisional round or AFC championship? Yes, to that standpoint, I'm a little worried. I mean, that's obviously a long ways off, so it I'm is. not that worried. But that's the ultimate goal for the Chiefs. No, I right? get it. No, I, I understand that. Uh, yeah, but also, again, the Vikings' defense Yes. Stinks. This is an opportunity. So to if the Chiefs go out and put up 38 like they, or 41 like they did against the Bears, 
I probably I'm gonna try. I, I probably will because this is what I do. I'm gonna try not to overreact and say the Chiefs' offense is fine, but I might do that anyways because that's just what I do. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> it would be very beneficial if one of the receivers, whether it's and Kadarius Tony's been dealing with injuries. He's played like less than twenty snaps like yeah. every game basically. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Big Tone. When he gets I, out there, they give him the ball, but. Yeah, it's just I mean he's he had the injury in the preseason, then he had the the sprained toe. I think he's dealing with right now. Like it's, it's like dude, going in line with your thoughts toe. about that he's probably never going to be healthy. So we'll see. Like, dude, seriously, sprained toe? What what are we doing? I don't know. You I mean, run what are toe. we doing? Um, sprained toe? Are you serious? I think it'd be beneficial if one of like Sky Moore, Rashi Rice went off. Like when I say yeah. go off, I mean like just had a good for game. them go off five catches for seventy five yards and a touchdown. Like game. that'd be you know what I mean. Yeah. Give you some confidence that you have a number one guy that one of those guys is emerging for you. Yeah, it's tough because I I, I feel like Sky Moore was the guy that the Chiefs hoped would be effective as like a man beater receiver, and it he was actually in his rookie season if you look at some of the numbers, but that hasn't been the case so far this season for him. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know and and. Then with Rusty Rice, you had the whole thing with where he was a Mahomes guy. Mahomes really wanted him. Well, does Mahomes just suck at picking receivers? Or, like, what are we – like, dude, what are we doing? So, I'm starting to wonder if that story was overblown. Like, do you think it's something where he would have just said that no matter which receiver they took? Because we, we know – But there was reports about it even before they drafted. I know there were, but there were also reports with that about Zay Flowers <laughs> and about uh, – was it okay, Jackson well, Smith and Jay all, Burr? All those guys are uh, – Quentin Johnson. Those other guys you know? are good. Quinn Johnson hasn't done super well. I think he's just being supportive. What is he going to do? Come out and be like, no, I didn't want this guy? No, I get I, But you trade it up for him, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you trade up for a wide receiver, I think it's probably because question, your star quarterback, who's the greatest yeah, player of all time, so, said, I like throwing that guy to the ball. I, I do think Rashi Rice has at least shown – he's got to figure out the drops. He's dropping at least one pass like every game. Which that's what he did at college. And that is a problem, yes. At the same point in time, he has shown the most flashes and yeah, he's the a ball good catch and run of everything. Guy. Yes. Yeah, you get him the ball and he any of the receivers. So there is some flash there that I'm I'm not willing to turn the page on it yet. But as of right now, the returns on Brett Veach's career of drafting receivers in the second round is very stinky. But what's crazy McCall is Cole Hardman, you... and Sky Moore, and Rashi Rice. That no, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nicole Hardman. I'm a, I'm a McCall Hardman fan. He's like one catch this year. Well, that's because the Jets are idiots and they don't play him. Should the Chiefs trade a seventh for McCall Hardman? No, I had, did this, we have this, I had this conversation. Yes, we did. I don't ago. know. If, did we have this on the air or off the air? I don't remember. I don't remember. But no, that'd be stupid. You don't you don't let a guy walk and then trade for him or whatever. Did they trade him or did they just let him walk? They, they just let him walk. Let him walk. Right? Yeah, so you don't let a guy walk and then trade for him. But that's hypothetically. You it's would... a principle thing. Okay. It is a matter of principle. You do not do that. See, I disagree. I think that's the sunken cost fallacy. The idea that, well, we didn't do this before, so why do it now? Shouldn't you reevaluate now and be like, well, our receivers might be worse than we thought they were, so we need any help that but we can. Nicole Hardman is then not again, moving is he the needle. changing it. Yeah, no. that's the problem. No, he's not moving the needle. I mean, it'd be nice to have him, yeah. but he's not moving the needle if you add him in. No, I agree with that. So, there's, yeah, no, I don't, don't right. do that. I was just asking the question. But I am a, you won't meet a bigger Nicole Hardman fan than me. I mean, I love that dude. Mm-hmm. He's great. I thought about getting a Nicole Hardman jersey wow. for a long time. I never did, though. Because I wanted to get him in my jersey, and then I go on there, and they're 100 bucks. And I'm like, dude. Now's your chance to get one. 100 bucks? No, Nick, you could probably get one right now for like 20 bucks. He doesn't play for the Chiefs That's anymore. That's the thing. But you would still have the legacy, the memories, you know, the the jet sweeps that he, he made plays on. And then again, I, what listen, if you, it's, it's an investment. What if, what if okay, McCall Hardman's a free agent at the end of the year. What if he returns the Chiefs on a Chiefs But he's got to be the same number when he comes back. And Richie James is already 17 now. Uh, Richie James gone after the year, right? You don't want your deal. But so because this is my principle, this is my process with buying athletic jerseys because they're usually like a hundred dollars. If I'm buying a jersey 
for my team, for like the Chiefs or any other team, I better be buying a jersey of a player that I know is going to actually be on the team for a long time. Yeah. Right? Michael Hardman does not fit that. <laughs> does not fit that. Obviously, because he's not on the team anymore. So that's why I never did. Mm, that's fair. Uh, the Vikings offense, does it scare you at all? I mean, Justin Jefferson, Justin very Jefferson, good. Justin Jefferson, No, they don't have or, Who's their? Uh, Jordan, Addison. Jordan Addison. Yeah. Not Jordan Addison. Another Addison. guy that Patrick Mahomes probably enjoyed working out with <laughs> in the offseason, for all we know. <laughs> they got Jordan Addison. Obviously, no Dalvin Cook now. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Uh, they got TJ Hawkinson. So they got some good weapons. This should be a good test for the Chiefs defense, I would think. I mean, if you believe the Chiefs are a top 10 or top 5 defense in the league, you should probably not be giving up more than 21, 24 points to the Vikings offense, right? I mean, the Vikings offense has been good, mm-hmm. but not that good. I'm trying to think. They put up, what, 28 on the Eagles, 24 on, on the Chargers. Chargers. I think, yeah. Could have had more, but they dropped past a pick in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Chiefs win if what? Chiefs win if Mahomes is Mahomes, and they if I have to watch less of Clyde. Okay. <laughs> By the way, does this do anything for you? Clyde Edwards-Alaire is plus 370 for any time touchdown. <laughs> I mean, Andy loves him, so maybe he maybe I should take that. All right, yeah, wait, wait. What would be your value pet, bet for uh, any time touchdown? Mm, Tony. Going Tony, it is plus 310. I like that. I think there is good value there. Tony. I've been waiting for Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Tony to like or maybe Noah Gray. Pass. Does Noah Gray do anything for Noah you? No Gray's plus five hundred. Does that do anything for you? Maybe. Nah. The problem is it's such a roulette. Well, the thing is, you I don't know. know how much the. I mean, I don't know how much points the Chiefs are going to score. If you think they're going to score four touchdowns, one of them's probably going to Travis Kelsey, right? Sure. One, one of, of them's probably, probably rushing Pacheco and or you know yeah something like that. So then it's like which of MVS Tony <laughs> Justin Watson Noah Gray which of those four do you take? And it's just a roulette with one of those four. One of those four probably will get in the end zone, but I, I don't know which one. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Just bet all four and then you can't lose. Would you be taking the Chiefs minus three and a half? Yes. Vikings defense stinks. But and, isn't this what and, Vikings do? They play close games. And Kirk Thuggins is home. gonna he's gonna you know they're they're not no they're not gonna cover. I almost would take the Vikings to cover. Now, I think I'm leaning Chiefs to cover. Chiefs. Chiefs. Three and a half. But, again, it's in Minnesota. Kirk Cousins loses close games this year. Like, that's that's what happens. Yeah, it's in Minnesota. That's a positive for the Chiefs because it's in a dome and they don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that's a good point. Or, no, I guess it's not a dome. I don't know. It's a dome. You call it a dome? It's not shaped like a dome. Oh. It? Well, it's an indoor stadium. Do we need to update the term dome to something I guess. else? No, but I could see like the Chiefs winning twenty four twenty one. A lot of the twenty seven twenty. A lot of the new indoor stadiums don't really qualify as domes. Okay, you I think, think I'd be leaning the under too. By the way, fifty three. Even uh, though the Vikings defense yeah. is bad, the Vikings defense is Chiefs bad. defense hasn't been great. I don't know, man. Or Chiefs offense hasn't been great. I'm sorry. Thirty one twenty four Chiefs win, you lose over fifty three. Yeah, but every Chiefs score I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the Chiefs score in the twenties. I just I haven't been impressed enough with the Chiefs' offense. I think the Chiefs' offense could easily have a game where they score a lot against the Vikings this week. Because what if they put up each week? I mean, obviously the Bears game you put up over forty. That would have got twenty three against the Jets, twenty against Good the defense, Lions. Though. Mm. Uh, whatever. Oh, 17, 17 against the Jaguars. That I think that is an outlier game, though. Okay, but they're not really putting in that thirty point range. So well, I think I'd be leaning under in Chiefs. Okay, I'll take Chiefs. I don't know if I'll take the over. I, maybe. By the way, for myself, the Chiefs win if 
Patrick Mahomes is normal. That's what I said. Patrick Mahomes stole what I said. Is... Have you ever had one original thought in your life? Well, I just <laughs> I don't know what else there is. Like, no, you know I know, what I, mean? I know. It's... it's like if Mahomes is normal, they win. Probably. Chiefs win if Justin Jefferson doesn't take over. <laughs> if if Justin Jefferson doesn't have okay. a there's a real test. Jamar of, Chase. Here's the real test of the of the Trent McDuffie is a top you know top cornerback crowd. I still go, think you go, probably should double Justin Jefferson, even go, uh, with Trent McDuffie. Go handle Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I mean if Justin Jefferson has like uh, less than 100 yards, you win the game. How about that? Oh, easily. Yeah. Oh, easily. He's got to have like 180. He has less than he 150 yards. I think they still win. He could have 120 yards. I think they still win. Mm-hmm. Also, if you don't have crazy turnover numbers, there's the other one. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's the same story with the Chiefs. With the Chiefs, it's if weird things don't happen. Yes. And you and Mahomes plays like he's Mahomes, you're probably gonna win. Mm-hmm. You're the Chiefs. All right, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, gonna join us next. We're gonna go over some betting lines, including for that Chiefs Vikings game. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports, who uh, continues on with their Locktober promotion here in the month of October. Uh, Lee, thanks for hopping on again today. We're going to get things started with Alabama. They're giving up two points against Texas A&M. The Aggies trying to, um, I don't know, maybe assert themselves as the new king of the SEC West this year. What do you like on that matchup? about this game, and both defenses have improved since they lost their first game. Uh, Alabama giving up just 30 points over the last three games. A&M's defense giving up uh, just 28. And they played some pretty good teams. Uh, 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 now we know Auburn's much improved, and also Arkansas also, with K.J. Jefferson, gives a lot of teams fits. How many sacks would you guess that the Alabama offensive line has given up so far in five games? Oh, gosh. I, I know it's been a little more than uh, you'd expect. Right. What would you guess? I'm assuming they have a handful uh, against Texas. I don't know, 15? I thought 14 to 16. Really good guess. It is 20. Wow. They rank 125th out of 133 teams. Strength of A&M, their pass rush, number four in the country. They have 20 sacks. They had, a, I don't know if you remember, a total of seven five-stars over a three-year period on the defensive line. They still have five of them there. I think they're starting to come of age now. They have the best unit of both teams. I believe their receivers, three receivers who I think both will be playing in the NFL, also are playing at a high level. And I like Max Johnson's experience here. A&M won here at home in 2021. If they had given the ball, to A-Chain late in that game. I thought that they would have won that game last year also, and they're 3-0-1 against the spread. The last four is a home dog. They lost last year 24-20 this year. A&M returns the favor 24-20 over Alabama. Kansas State has some Friday night lights tonight. They are minus 11 against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Yep, and I just can't trust this Oklahoma State team. I think this is probably the weakest unit and team we've seen probably in 15, 20 years. You're not going to see many guys as far as uh, at the skilled players that are going to be drafted or move on and play at the NFL level here. I like the, the change at Alan Bowman. He's going to be the guy quarterback unless something goes really long. They might put someone in for a certain package, but that's really about it here. I, I, I'm not totally sold on Kansas State either. I mean, 
Uh, you know, they're just not a real big scorer right now. They're not as dynamic as last year. But first-year defensive coordinator, uh, Oklahoma State brought in from Division Two. Just, a, I just, I don't think you can replace Jim Knowles here. And not passing the eye test. Normally, Oklahoma State great as a home underdog the last seven years, seven and three against the spread, but not tonight. Kansas State thirty-five seventeen. The college game day game this week is at the Texas State Fair. And the Longhorns taking on Oklahoma, a couple undefeated teams in the Big 12. Texas uh, giving up six and a hook here against the Sooners. Who do you like in this rivalry? So I think Texas is more of the known here. After playing at Alabama, I think we know more of what they're about. I think Oklahoma's offense is good, but they just don't have a whole lot of running backs and receivers that scare you. The defense looks improved over last year when they gave up 30 points for a game, but Checked in, and all five quarterbacks they faced were either backups, quarterbacks who came over on the transfer portal, or quarterbacks you know just not not don't have a whole lot of real good recognition as far as reading defenses here. None of the five quarterbacks in the top seventy-five here. So I think Texas uh, it's going to be tight for a while. They pull away late, thirty-four twenty-four. Well, uh, Kansas has a big one with UCF after losing to Texas sizably a week ago. Uh, before we get into this game, yeah. uh, you got it listed at Kansas minus two, so I'm sure you got in on the action earlier this week. But uh, how, how does the way that the line has moved? Because now live, the line is is sitting at minus two. I, I guess what is your pick from this game, and and how has that line movement maybe affected things for for the way that you would pick it? Well, I think they're telling you with the line, Jalen Daniels almost for sure not going to play, and there's some indecision. Uh, as far as John Rice Plumley, if he plays in the game, I mean, they could end up the favorite. I mean, I could certainly see them minus one or two. So he makes that much of a difference. I think he's worth four or five points to their team. I'm going to go on the premise that he does not play, and I think there's a big downgrade when he doesn't play. His dual threat capabilities is off the charts. More as a runner. I mean, he is tough to bring down almost every, you know, third and short, uh, fourth and short, he almost comes up with. I mean, the kid's a gutsy player, and then you go to more of a passer, and I don't think that's a dynamic that that team is, you know, really about. They don't have a whole lot of depth also. Offensive and defensive line, uh, one of their key linemen, he ended up moving Matt Lee to Miami, maybe their best lineman. That's hurt them. They've had to shuffle around there in the offseason. I just don't think they have that depth, whereas they used to play seven or eight guys uh, both sides of the ball. They just can't do it right now. So I like the way the Kansas Young in the game, they got to take some chances. You know, you got to try a fake punt, fake field goal, onside kick. You got to do something uh, when you're playing a team with similar talent. You need a spark. So they hung in there last week. They probably were were not going to win the game. Just didn't have the talent. Uh, but this game, I think they can come up with. I think they're going to find a way here. I like Kansas here, twenty-eight, twenty-four. Kansas City Chiefs are on the road against the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings play a lot of close games. Chiefs looking for a bounce-back game from the offense, even though they won over the New York Jets. They're giving up four points. Who do you like here? So, in the game last week, you know, a lot of teams, when you have a 17-point lead and all of a sudden uh, you've squandered that lead, they just can't, you can't get back into a rhythm and you can't win the game. But I like what Kansas City did. Now, they were helped out by the fumble. 
And then on the other side, Minnesota, last year, everything went their way. All 11 games, eight points or less, they ended up winning. This year, they've only won one of them. And that was last week on the fumble return for the touchdown. I just don't like the way that this team is assembled. They have no running game almost whatsoever here. I think their defense also not the same where they were. The last couple of years is a steady decline here. I think Kansas City is going to hit too many plays down the field on this Minnesota defense, which has gotten old real quick here. And Kansas City, I think they're going to be up for it here. Uh, they're a speed team playing on turf. Give me KC here, 31-20. Well, your uh, free play of the week features the TCU game against Iowa State in which the Horn Frogs are giving up seven and a hook. And uh, both teams falling last week, TCU to West Virginia, Iowa State pretty big to uh, Oklahoma. How can people get a hold of the free play and uh, join your service here during uh, October? Yeah, anyone wants to get this game for free, just call 800-400-9741. I have a real strong opinion on this game. I will give them the TCU and Iowa State game on me. Be one of the first ten callers, 800-400-9741. What a run it's been. Uh, in September, on our football selections, 34-13. and 13. Since the start of the season, 40-18. and 18. You want to hop on board. We don't call it October. We call it Locktober. You can get four weeks of games, just $297. One place, ParamountSports.com. All right, Lee. Well, uh, thanks again, man, and uh, good luck on the weekend that is uh, in front of us, and we'll talk to you next Friday. Sounds good. Have a great weekend and be safe. All right, that's Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a time out. We've got our game picks. Going to use some of that knowledge from Lee and bring it up on the other side. We've got more KU football talk coming throughout the show and some KU football and KU basketball player audio later in the 5 o'clock hour as well. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. All right, time for another week's game picks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We get to our KU game picks, players to watch coming up in our next segment. Plenty more KU audio throughout the day. We'll be a big mail tomorrow, 1230 to 1.30 on KLWN. 1230 to 2.30 is when we'll be a big mail. So stop by, win some free stuff. We also got high school football tonight. Lawrence High on KLWN. Free State over on 929 The Bull. Uh, I am not doing well on game picks. You are doing very well on game picks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you uh, are 13-11 and 11 on college football. And we go. you went two and three last week. Overall, you are twenty six and seventeen. If you include the locks, you were thirty and twenty one. Wow! I am just eight and sixteen on college football after going one and four last week. Seventeen and twenty seven overall. Twenty one and thirty two, including the locks. Let's start right here. <laughs> number twelve Oklahoma versus number three Texas State Fair Longhorns giving up five and a half. Yeah, I. Oklahoma's coming off a big win against Iowa State at home, so they're probably feeling pretty good. I don't know, man. Texas, even when they, even when Texas, when we were joking about Texas being not back and whatnot, they always showed up for games like this. They always show up for the big games. And now, obviously, they have even more on the line. I've talked about it before. Texas has a literal cakewalk to 12-0 if they win this game against Oklahoma. I think they're going to win. I think they're the better team. I think they're one of the most talented teams in the country. They looked great against Kansas, obviously. I think Texas wins this game okay. by more than five and a half. So give me... Texas, but I will not say hook them because that's gross. 
So I'm just going to go to a new strategy. Things are not working for me. I'm just going to take all the teams with points this week. Uh, Oklahoma plus five and a half. Interesting strategy. I don't know, man. I, I don't feel great about it. Here, here's so one of the difficulties about the game picks that we do, and, and you're nailing it this this right now. So it, it doesn't matter either way. But these are not games necessarily like we're forcing you to pick these games. These are not yes. necessarily the games that you would pick. Like yes. I'm avoiding this line altogether. I have no idea what's well, happening. What's what's stupid is. You're the one that puts this together. I know. So you can pick whatever games you want. But it's basically, this is an excuse for us to talk about the games of the week. <laughs> Essentially is what we're doing here. Um, to, to peel the, the curtain back a little okay, bit. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure. So that's why we pick these games. But pick also, games. yes, I would not be picking this game because I don't feel great about it. That said, I'll just take Oklahoma plus five and a half. Uh, yeah. I feel like in this rivalry, a lot of times the team who's worse ends up winning the game in some way. No, last, week, last season, that was not the case. Texas was the better team. They won by fifty. Yeah, they did win, but that but was Dylan without Gabriel Dylan Gabriel. Was not in the game. Obviously. But like there were a lot, where a lot of years were like Sam Ellinger, like upset, like or or nearly did. Like remember the yeah. one year they did upset Oklahoma, and that was like yeah. college football playoff team. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess the argument you could say is with Dylan Gabriel back, Texas may not be ready for that. They haven't seen it. I guess. Um, I saw somebody put a score prediction. They were like Texas forty-two, Oklahoma seventeen, or something. And some OU fan got all mad, and they're like, "This is like so ridiculous." And they're like, uh, "What are you talking about? I, you have Dylan Gabriel back now. Like, I clearly think you're much better on offense and on defense now." <laughs> it's like they're still losing by that much. Anyway, um, all right, number I, I'm going OU. Number twenty three LSU is minus five at number twenty one Missouri. Dude, first of all, disclaimer: I'm not picking Missouri. Mm. I can't do it. Uh, but also, so th- this is kind of interesting. There's two ways this game can go. I think. For LSU, after losing to Ole Miss, LSU could easily look in the mirror and say, this season's done, two losses, lost to Ole Miss, don't have a chance to really make the SEC title game, really, or even the college football playoff. Like, that was the goal. And they might just punt on the season, right? That could destroy a locker room, especially at the college level. Or they're just angry and mad, and they come out and say, you know what, we're just going to we're just going to run loose and play free and, you know, we don't care. We're just going to go do our – and normally that means you play well. I think LSU will win this game against against Missouri. I, Missouri, I don't want to say that they're a fraudulent 5-0 and because I think they've proven that they're not a bad team. But give, give me LSU here. I'm going to take Missouri. Um, again, just Stick going to your line. strategy. This is not a game I would bet because of what you talked about with LSU. You could get LSU. You don't know. You don't yeah, know I mean, what it's going to be. I think it's, LSU could go either way. Right. If True. you told me LSU takes it fully seriously and that they're fully bought in still, I'd take them. But yes. I don't know that's going to be the case. So I'm yes. going to take Missouri. Just uh, roll with the points here. Number 13, right. Washington State is at UCLA. The Bruins are minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised by this line. Washington State is playing probably their best football of the season right Already now. Already beat Wisconsin, Oregon State, who just beat Utah last week. Yeah, I, I mean, I think Washington State's playing their best football of the season right now. So I'm a bit surprised to see them getting this many points. I mean, I guess it's on the road, but uh, I haven't been following UCLA that closely. I don't think they have any really impressive wins right now, do they? Coastal Carolina, uh, baby. <laughs> Grayson yeah, McCall. Yeah, in 2019, that would have been a good win. What do you mean? They still have Grayson McCall. <laughs> they have Ethan Vasco. Oh, true. I forgot. Mm. Yeah, that changes everything. Uh, no, I'm, I'm going to Washington State here, plus my boy Cameron Ward, uh, former UIW quarterback, is now at Washington State and balling out, by the way. So uh, give me the Cougs. Go Cougs. Okay. And in the face of Pat McAfee, fly old Crimson, baby. I uh, I was thinking about taking Wash. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just stick with my thing. I'm, I'm going to take the points here with Washington State. I think they can maybe at least keep it close, but I don't feel great about this one. And UCLA is shown to have pretty good defense this year. Dante Moore, the young freshman quarterback, shown a lot of good flashes so far this season. Um, 
I guess I'll go Washington State plus three and a half. But again, not a game I'd be betting. Number 20, Kentucky is at number one, Georgia. The Bulldogs are giving up 14 and a half. All right. So, Derek, the past couple weeks, Georgia has been giving up around 14 and a half points to their last couple opponents. South Carolina, Auburn. And what has happened in those games? Georgia has not covered. So I think this might be a similar game. Kentucky's coming in with a lot of confidence. They're feeling pretty good. I think Georgia's going to win, but fourteen by 14 and a half, not from what I've seen from them recently. Give me Kentucky. I'm going Kentucky as well. Kentucky's a football school. Calipari's a clown. And, uh, yeah, give me the Wildcats. Yeah, this is just sticking in line. Just taking all the points here. Uh, yeah, I've not been impressed with, with Georgia. I am a little bit worried that because there are a lot of people saying that I'm not impressed with Georgia and Kentucky all of a sudden now has the ranking and they just blasted Florida, that this is going to be one of those Georgia it could A be games. A let, it could be a letdown game for Kentucky. And it's it's a Georgia A game where it's like they're pissed off where it's like everybody's saying that we're only beating these. And then all of a sudden it's the TCU game all it's over again. 48-3. You know? Yeah. But I'm going to go Kentucky. Uh, number 10, Notre Dame is minus 6.5 at number 25, Louisville. Louisville. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame here. I, I think, I don't know. I mean, after a hard-fought game against Duke in primetime, maybe, ha- maybe uh, Notre Dame has some fatigue from that. But I don't know. I, I think this is a game for Notre Dame where, you know, they have such a tough schedule that they really need to win these games like this where they're kind of favored to win in order to keep their trajectory of if they want to, if they want to push for the playoff. Uh, because I don't think it's that insane that Notre Dame could maybe have an argument for the playoff, even if they have two losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at their schedule. Very tough. It's insane. So this is a game you have to win if you're Notre Dame, and I think that should be the message. I'm going to take Notre Dame here. Uh, it could be close, but I'm going to ride with the fighting Irish. I uh, I think Notre Dame wins the game. Uh, Louisville, I think, is going to play them close. But I'm uh, So I'm going to take the six and a half points, just sticking with the points. Louisville's defense was kind of up and down to start the year, but they looked really good last week against NC State. Uh, Jack Plummer's kind of up and down at quarterback. They've got a really good running game. I think they keep it close. I'll take the six and a half points, but I think Notre Dame wins the game in the end. Okay. Your locks are 2-2-1 in college football. Who do you got this week? My lock of the week this week is Colorado minus four against Arizona State. I'm going to go with Coach Prime here. Listen, Colorado showed some fight and played a pretty good game against UC, uh, against USC and came back. Arizona State stinks. I mean, those boys stink. So, honestly, this is kind of a – I think this is kind of a disrespect line for Colorado. I mean, I think this is a game where Colorado might boat race, to be honest. Uh, so, give me the Buffaloes minus four. I am 3-2 and two on locks. I'm going to take Wyoming late into the night in Laramie, plus six against Fresno Dude, State. Everybody knows you don't just roll into Laramie and get a W. They do. And Fresno State's been I mean, the talk Texas of the town Tech. in Mountain, the Mountain West because they're ranked, and they already have a couple of like Power yeah. 5 wins. They beat yeah. they uh, blasted Purdue, Arizona State, actually. and then Arizona State. Yeah. yeah. So everybody's been talking about Fresno State. Well, all of a sudden, they're going on the road. Wyoming's an underdog by six points. I think they want you to take Fresno State. The reason it's hovering at six as opposed to seven is they want you to take Fresno State. I ain't letting them let me take it. <laughs> Fres- or Wyoming plus six points, and uh, maybe they even pull off the upset. And if Wyoming wins wow. that game... Rank Wyoming. Their only wow. loss is to Texas. Yeah. And they lo- it was 10-10 to in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they ended up losing 31-10 because that's just what Texas does this year. They yeah. just dominate teams in the fourth quarter. Uh, Wyoming's a good football team. So uh, give me Wyoming plus six. Okay. On to the NFL where on the season you are 13-6-1. Went 3-2 and two last week. I am 9-11. and 11. I went 2-3 and three last week. First up, London game. Jacksonville, Buffalo, Bills giving up five and a half. I'm kind of hot in uh, 
NFL, huh? Yeah. Wow. He's just wow. been. Eight not, to brag. I don't even know that it's hot. It's just good. Eight Thirteen to, and six. Eight to brag. Yeah. Wow. Uh, okay. You just jinxed yourself for the week, by the way. <laughs> Probably. To be honest. Okay. So the angle for this game for Jacksonville is that they've got to spend now the whole two week past two weeks in London. So there's no concerns with like body clock, jet lag, any of that because they've been there for the past two weeks, right? Uh, and obviously they already got a W. And listen, dude, the London Jaguars are way better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, way better. They're 0-2 this year in Jacksonville. <laughs> and they're 1-0 in London. Yeah. And could be 2-0, possibly. Uh, Man, I don't know. I'm going to go with Buffalo, though. I think Buffalo is – they've kind of been out to prove something the past couple weeks. I mean, you go back to the Miami game, they also destroyed Washington – which maybe that doesn't look as good now because Washington had, you know, kind of got blown out by the Bears, but kind of came back a little bit. So, I don't know. I'm going to go with Buffalo, though. I think I think this is classic, classic Buffalo Bills where they always peak, like, halfway through the season and then flounder in the playoffs. Yeah. I'm taking the Bills. But, see, to your point on them blowing out their last two opponents, how often in the NFL do you see a team blow out three straight opponents? They don't have to blow out Jacksonville. They, they don't. They're one by seven. Yeah, or six points. Yeah. I just I, I don't know. That's a lot to live up to, especially after the Dolphins game, riding a high. Now you have this long travel out to London. Jacksonville, as you mentioned, has already been there. I still think the Jags are like a pretty solid team. Give me Jacksonville plus five and a half. Tennessee uh. is minus two and a half at Indianapolis. Winner of this is uh, Dude, at least tied for speaking first of division. games that I would never actually legitimately bet on in real life. <laughs> this game, like, are you kidding me? Tennessee and Indianapolis, just two. <laughs> like, hey, they're tied for first in the <laughs> South. I just it's a playoff I mean, team, dude. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a fan of the Colts, like if you're not a Colts fan or a Titans fan, you have to be kind of sick to watch this game. I think. I mean, seriously, Colts Titans, really? Uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee. Like, I know I've been on the I've been on the train that Tennessee sucks and they're frauds and they're bad, but they have Mike Vrabel, man, and he's that's a, I guess he's a good coach. I don't know what else to say. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tennessee here. Although I do have Anthony Richardson on my fantasy team, so I hope he goes off. Uh, but I'm gonna go Tennessee. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I have no feel. No feel on this game. Yeah, it's a tough one. I'm going Tennessee. Though. I'm going Titans as well. I'm just trusting the the coach in this one. Even though I continue to bash on Ryan Tannehill, I trust the rest <laughs> of the team and the, the infrastructure there. Uh, Baltimore is minus four and a half. They're at Pittsburgh. Yeah, this feels like it Pittsburgh. should be Pittsburgh. This feels like it should be a bigger line to me. Also, what's is Kenny Pickett fine? What's his status? I don't know. I haven't even paid attention. Uh, I because because he, he went out of the game last week, I think. Right. So uh, I'm gonna. I'm going to go Baltimore here. I think Baltimore is definitely the better team. But on the flip side... This He's is, been cleared to start. Okay. On the flip side, this is this is kind of one of those games where Pittsburgh wins, and when you look back in the season, this is how they get to 9-8. and eight. Correct. They win a game like this. Yep. So that's win like, it ugly. That's my concern. 16-13, you know? <laughs> is that Pittsburgh might find a way to win. I'm going Baltimore, but... I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go Baltimore. No, that, that's exactly what I'm steering into. Everybody's <laughs> like, oh, the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL, and the Steelers just lost by 30 points to the Texans. <laughs> You're 100% right. This is what they do to get to eight or nine wins yes, at the end of the they season. They just randomly win a game like this. Exactly. They win it ugly. They'll get like a defensive touchdown and a safety, and they'll hold Lamar Jackson in check, and they'll win 13 to 10. It'll be something <laughs> stupid, so give me Pittsburgh plus four and a half. Uh, Philadelphia is minus four at Los Angeles, the Rams. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't know if... The books are giving the Rams the benefit of the doubt with Cooper Cup coming back because he's supposed to play, but he's like limited snap count or whatever. But I feel like this should be a bigger line. Mm. Only minus four? I feel like the Eagles should be favored by more. Uh, so does that tell you Vegas knows something? Well, I don't know. That's what I'm concerned about. I don't know if they, again, I don't know if they just think that. But like, it's in Vegas the raucous think, Los Angeles. Oh, yes. Yeah, notorious <laughs> home field advantage of Los Angeles. Yes. You know, all those all those fans. 
uh, that are definitely Rams fans and not just, you know, AI-generated random bands that live in Los Angeles. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, again, I don't know if Vegas just thinks Cooper Cup is worth that much. I feel like this should be a bigger line. Uh, I'll take the Eagles. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think there is a little bit of Vegas knows something here, and uh, Cooper Cup could be back this week. Him and Puka Nakua, I'm excited to see what that can uh, they can do. Philadelphia is still I mean, really Puka good. Puka Nakua's got to slow down at some point. You would think so. Right? Uh, Philadelphia is still really good, but they've played some teams close. You know, you, you win by a they score have, over Minnesota. Have. You win in overtime against Washington. I think this could actually be a loss for them. I think the Rams maybe pull the upset here. Wow, okay. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys at San Francisco 49ers. Niners are minus four. Man, this is a great game. On, or at least on paper, it looks like it should be a great game. Uh, I'm going to go with San Francisco here. It's a it's a great defensive battle, but I think San Francisco, even though Brock Purdy maybe is not better than Dak Prescott, obviously I think San Francisco's offense has better weapons, and I feel like they'll be able to score a little bit more. I am rolling with the Niners, mm. baby. <laughs> okay, why did you say it like that? Why not? Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas. Yeah, obviously for San Francisco, they've owned the Cowboys in the playoffs the last two years. I didn't, I even thought about that. Yeah, that's true. So revenge game for Dallas from that standpoint. This would be, this would, uh, if that's the case, this would be classic. Beat him in the regular season, lose to him in the playoffs. It would. I, I think Dallas just keeps it close. Wouldn't be surprised if San Francisco wins, but if you're giving me the four points, I think that's too much. Give me the Cowboys. I think these are two of the five best teams in the NFL. Uh, your lock of the week in the NFL, you were two and two. Who you yeah, got? I picked my lock of the week earlier today. There's been some news that has changed that a little bit, but I'm going to stick with the lock of the week because you know what? I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, my lock of the week is Green Bay plus one at Las Vegas I like at that, the Raiders. Uh, I'm honestly I'm a bit surprised. I feel like Green Bay should maybe even be favored. So I picked this pick earlier in the day today before it was announced that Jimmy Garoppolo is actually cleared. I think he's going to start now for the Raiders in the game. Adam, Adam Schefter tweeted that literally in the last hour, I think. Uh, but I'm sticking with Green Bay. I'm sticking to my guns. Give me the Packers. I like that. And I think Green Bay, they always travel well. Uh, Vegas is always tough for, for you know, they get a lot of visiting fans. I think Green Bay will actually uh, bounce out. I like that one. I mean, you know, Cincinnati minus three at Arizona. Uh, I still don't love the Cincinnati team, but this is do or die for them. You can't fall the one and four with the loss for Arizona. So uh, backs against the wall. Take the Bengals minus three at Arizona. All right, that's our game picks. Two hours down, one to go. More KU football talk, players to watch, KU game picks, and more audio coming up in the next hour. This is RCST on KLWN. Depending on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, throughout the rest of the show, we're going to get to some more audio. We got uh, some KU football audio from Cornell Wheeler and Devin Neal. Uh, I guess you could call them Cornell Neal or Cornell Wheel what? What? or Devin Neeler. Yeah, Neeler or Wheel. Yeah. But Wheel spelled W H E A L. They should combine on an NIL deal with the Wheel. Ah, okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah, we're getting now somewhere we're, now. But see, okay. Hang on a second, though. Cornell Wheeler, he doesn't need to come out with anybody. He can just... That's true. What is he? I mean, he's already got Wheel in his name. Well, his, I mean, Devin, Devin Neal can do the same thing. He's like, you know what rhymes with Neal? The Wheel. Come get some Wheel pizza or whatever. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that audio coming up. We also have some uh, KU basketball player audio ahead of Late Night in the Fog tonight. We'll get to Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams later in the show. Late Night in the Fog at 6.30. We won't be airing anything here for Late Night in the Fog. You can watch the scrimmages yeah. uh, at KUAthletics.com and on the ESPN+. ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. Plus. yeah. Broadcast yeah, the Big Twelve now, whatever. Yeah, uh, Brian's going to be on the call with Greg Gurley and Bill Self for the men's scrimmage. For the women's scrimmage, they'll have the women's radio crew with Stephen Davis, David Lawrence, and then Brandon Schneider will be on the call. So you can watch and, and listen to both of those. 
um, again on on ESPN Plus or uh, KUAthletics.com. No flow rider for you though. Can't no, it there. no, you can't for uh, certain rights reasonings. Uh, by the way, if you are heading into the game, uh, lot ninety is free tonight for the game, so you don't oh, have to nice. pay for that. So if you're looking for somewhere to park, that would Dude, be my I had a uh, bad encounter place one time to go. with the KU parking police in lot ninety. Where they, Dude, they, KU parking they, they is to not to be me. trifled with. Dude, they try to get after me. Okay, actually, the worst thing that ever happened to me was. One time, I was working. At, I was at the J school. Uh, you know, I was a journalism major, and I had a camera that I was returning to the J school. Okay, and for those that maybe don't know, the J school kind of sits like at the top of the little hill area. You know, and then kind of there's like a little road that goes down behind. There's like some staff parking. There's a parking lot and some staff parking on the side of the street there. Only when you go down the hill. So I'm like, all right, dude, listen. I'm gonna park my car in the staff lot. I'm gonna run the camera inside, and I'm gonna come back. Nobody's even going to know I was here. It's like in and out. Boom, boom. Done. Right? I park my car. I get out. I take like 10 steps away from my car with the camera. Woo! Here comes the parking. KU parking police right there. Right on me. The guy's like, oh, excuse me. You can't park here. And I was like, dude, brother, listen. <laughs> I am literally. Say, Did you call him brother? <laughs> I was like, dude, listen. I don't think that I'm helps. Gonna, <laughs> I'm going to go take this camera inside and I'm going to go and I'm going to leave. I'm going to be here for like two minutes. And the guy was like. So if I sit here and wait, you're going to be in and out. And I was like, why would I lie to you? You should have said time me. <laughs> so guess what? The guy did. Oh. He sat there. He sat there and waited. Well, I went inside, dropped off my camera, and came back. Okay. And But but I didn't get a ticket. So I guess I still kind of won, but it was terrible, dude. Like It was like I, I closed my car Don't door. KU parking, I took man. five steps, and he just the guy just spawned in right behind me. He just appeared. Yeah. I was really upset. But well, he didn't give me a ticket, so I guess it couldn't be that upset. It couldn't be. So uh, that's going on. Tonight, also, we have Lawrence High football. I'll be on the call of Lawrence High with Matt Llewellyn, KLWN, and video stream at KLWN.com, taking on the number one team in the state with Gardner Edgerton. Uh, Lawrence High is 4-1 and one so far. Nick is going to be on the call with Craig Hershiser, taking on Shawnee Mission North. Free State's undefeated so far. Yep. And that'll be over on 92.9 The Bowl and Bowl929.com. Uh, tomorrow, come on out to Big Mill. We're going to have some Oklahoma tickets for the next home game to give away. That's We're homecoming, have, by the way. So yeah, that's right. You want those tickets. It's going to be tough to get in. Um, and Oklahoma, obviously, will be ranked. Yeah. Uh, I guess barring something crazy happening. He might be ranked. Who knows? Yeah. Um, we also will have T-shirts. We have a bunch of uh, gift stuff that we're going to be giving away from Grandstand and uh, plenty more. So uh, make sure to come by Big Mail tomorrow. Kiss Crew going to be there 1230 to 130. Our show will be from 1230 to 130 with uh, the Kiss Crew there till 230. Okay, uh, so... More on the KU-UCF game. Let's get to our players to watch in the game. Uh, who for the KU offense is your player to watch? I think besides Jason Bean, to me, it's got to be one of the running backs, right? I'll go I'll go Daniel Hyshaw. Uh He had, finally didn't fumble, right? Finally had some games where he didn't fumble. So that's a good sign. And, w- again, w- when you start to look more closely at this game, you've got two of the top rushing offenses in the conference versus two of the bottom five rushing defenses in the conference. And when you have a starting qu- a backup quarterback in Jason B, and we kind of talked about this earlier in the week with going back to the Texas game, I was kind of surprised because KU was able to have a little bit of success on the ground against Texas, but it felt like they went away from it, which mm-hmm. when you have a backup quarterback, that might be a time where you want to lean on the ground game even more. So I'll go Daniel Highshaw here. I think it, there's going to be a steady – dose of both him and Devin Neal in the game and Highshaw is a relentless runner and he's a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on in this game to maybe to maybe make a bigger impact I think that's a good one um is it a cop-out to take Jason Bean again I that's I I began my statement with saying besides Jason Bean (laughs) probably is a cop-out but like it's going to be so but like I guess in in your head 
Can you envision a way where Kansas wins this game without Jason Bean playing well? I'm not saying he has to play pristine. I think if but- they, I think yes, I think if that is possible. It would just require that the that KU is just apps like so incredibly dominant in their ground game that it's like ridiculous, right? It's which negligent. I don't. Yeah, which like I but don't. See, if know. they're dominant in their ground game, I feel like part of that will probably be because Jason Bean did well either running the ball or like the three option. Like, like I guess maybe you could say if you're talking about Jason Bean only throwing specifically, KU could survive him having a bad game or mm-hmm. having him having not a great game. How about that? Yeah, because if he is successful on the ground with his legs, if KU is dominant on the ground, but no, I mean, you're right. He is the guy that you're going to need to play well in the game if you really want to have a legitimate, serious chance to win. Yeah. Well, okay, if we go back to last year um, when Jason Bean was the starter, it felt like the guys who would get deep balls were really the main targets. Uh, the guys that really benefited from Jason Bean, Quentin Skinner, Lawrence Arnold, Mason Fairchild. Yeah. So maybe one of those three? Could be. Yeah, Quentin Skinner would be a good pick. Yeah. He's a guy that I think... We've been kind of waiting on to have a, a game where he really takes the top off. Of Maybe this is the one. Listen, it's no it's no mystery that Jason Bean likes to push the ball down the field further, or I guess more aggressively than maybe Jalen Daniels does, right? That's maybe one of the things is I think Jason Bean is definitely a guy that is more likely to put the ball up into some tighter coverage and kind of put it down feel a little bit more, uh, which does give those guys opportunities, but obviously it's also there's, there's more risk involved with that. Okay, who is your uh, – do you have a defensive player to watch for UCF? For Central Florida. For UCF. For the Golden uh, Knights. I think you got to watch, oh, I'm blanking on his name, the guy with the most sacks on the team. Uh, uh, Mor- Trayvon Morris, Morris Brash. Brash, yep. not Dash, Brash. Yeah, he's got to be dashing the, he's, at the quarterback. He, he's got to be the guy to keep an eye on here because uh, when you have somebody like that that can wreck a game and you have a backup quarterback like Jason Bean, it's of the utmost importance that you try to, try to slow that guy down so that he can't wreck the game. And... You know, Jason Bean's running ability will probably help the offensive line of KU a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, dealing with the rush. But when you have a player like that, that ha- is capable of, of breaking the game. Like, I go back to the Illinois game with uh, with Johnny Newton that KU faced, right? He, he got his, but KU didn't let him dominate the game. I think this is a similar situation where if you have a guy like Brash, he might still get his. He might still end up with a couple tackles for loss, but you can't let him take over the game or dominate the game in critical moments. Uh, I'm going to go with Brandon Adams. He is the corner for UCF on the outside. They have two really good corners on the outside with uh, Brandon Adams and then uh, Corey Thornton. And both of them are, are really good players. Thornton's been targeted 26 times this year. He's given up 12 catches for 116 yards, and he has two interceptions and five pass breakups. That's just a 27 NFL passer rating against. Adams, meanwhile, has been targeted only 14 times. He has only given up three catches. For 40 yards. Damn. Yeah. So, I mean, combined, that means those guys have been targeted 40 times and have only given up 15 catches and 156 yards. Um, that's my guy to watch. And maybe that takes away a Lawrence Arnold in a game like this where maybe it is going to be more important over the middle of the field with, like, Mason Fairchild maybe going back to uh, thoughts yeah. kind of on that. Uh, what about the KU defense? Who's your KU defensive player to watch? Mm, K, with the KU defense, uh, okay, I know a, a lot has been made about the rushing attack of both teams, but I'm looking at Kobe Bryant. I mean, he's got to bounce back in this game, I think. And uh, we, I talked about how against Texas, you're facing probably the top two receivers that you'll see all season if you're KU facing Texas with, with Worthy and, and Mitchell. But UCF has two really, really high-quality talents as well that are both former SEC guys that you're going to have to find a way to limit, I think, especially – it sounds like John Rice Plumley is going to play, but and he's maybe not as effective of a passer as uh, the backup McLean. But yep. 
I'm going to keep an eye on Kobe Bryant on this game because Kobe Bryant is a player that has shown that he has a very, very high level of confidence in himself. He's a very, very confident player, and he plays that way. And after a game like Texas, is that rattle at all, or can he truly flush it and go back to, to continuing to be a lockdown corner that we know he is? So he's someone I'm going to keep an eye on, right? Because the last thing you want is, especially as a defensive back, to let a game where maybe you you the other team was able to get guys open against you, you don't want to let that snowball into the next game, into the next game, into the next game, right? Like that 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 is something that could definitely happen if your confidence is shaken. So and and especially for a player like Kobe Bryant who relies so heavily on that confidence in himself, right? I think that's a huge huge aspect of his game is is relying on his confidence to make plays. So he's the guy I'm going to keep an eye on in the defense. All right, um, for the the KU defense, I'm going to pick a uh, a linebacker here because after having a bad tackling game, JB Brown last week, I kind of want to pick JB Brown, but no, I'm actually going to go with Cornell Wheeler. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Cornell really Wheeler good game. Um, did have a really good game. He's had back to back really good games, and really just overall, like it's going to be very important for the linebackers to play well. Whether you know you have to throw a spy out there on John Rice Plumley, whether it's stopping the running game, making tackles. You, you had over 20 missed tackles a week ago against Texas. Now those aren't all the linebacker, but. That's kind of the main job of the linebacker. Tackle the guy, right? Um, <laughs> so let me ask you this. Do you think Cornell Wheeler has has supplanted Taiwan Berryhill a little bit? Well, because you have Everest Miller and J.B. Brown. Those, I think, are definitively your top two linebackers right now, right? And then Taiwan Berryhill is the guy who's not really been fully healthy, but you kind of expected him to be the next guy. But has Cornell Wheeler taken that over? Maybe. I mean, Taiwan Berryhill was still out there a good amount, and uh, – I don't know. It's it's tough for me to say. Now, I will say, I, I think Tywan Berryhill has struggled this year. I do think a lot of that is because it's of the injury, injury that he's trying to play through. So, yeah, like, yeah. I think he's better than he's playing I, mean, I, right I don't now. think he's close to 100%. But, for instance, you look at Pro Football Focus, KU's had 28 players log snaps this year. Tywan Berryhill is 28th in Pro Football Focus grade. Uh, Cornell Wheeler, meanwhile, is first. Ah. So... It feels to me like, okay, Cornell Wheeler's played 79 snaps in four games, most of those over the last two games. Taiwan Berryhill's played 63 in three games. It feels like both those guys are rotating, and it's about an even split right now. Um, maybe they're trying to give Taiwan Berryhill time to shake the rust off with the injury. But as of right now, with him playing through the injury, Cornell Wheeler is the superior player. Yeah. And so maybe this is a game where you see more of that go Cornell Wheeler's way. Um, there were a lot of plays where you watched in the Texas game last week where you looked up and, you know, maybe Taiwan Berryhill wasn't able to get quite there. So, uh, I don't know, man. I uh, I think Cornell Wheeler's really good. I think Cornell Wheeler, to me, the best linebacking core you can throw out there is um, Cornell Wheeler, J.B. Brown, um, and Craig Young. Um, I understand Rich Miller being out there, too, and he's a good leader and everything, and, and he's, you know, very helpful. But um, I think with Brown and Wheeler, you have your best athleticism and thumping ability. So we'll see how much he he kind of plays in this one. Yeah, uh, and the, the cool story with Wheeler is that he's really kind of earned this opportunity. Right, yeah. he's a guy that transferred in and wasn't a starter. It wasn't really a starter all last season, right? And has kept at it and continued to work. And uh, I think I think the KU staff has kind of a good sense of what they're looking for with transfers. Right, you have you have guys like Lonnie Phelps who are going to come in and be a starter right away and be an impact player and you know go from there. And then you have what I think I think Lance Leipold has actually used this phrase before: long-term transfers. Basically, guys that you that transfer in and you anticipate and expect to be a part of growing within the program for multiple years, right? Not somebody who's just coming in on for one year or even two years, maybe somebody you expect to be in here for multiple years. And that's that's been Wheeler. That's been Cornell Wheeler. 
Uh, and it's great to see. It's great to see those guys come in and continue to work and work and work and, and, and be rewarded on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, who's your UCF offensive player to watch? Offensively, I mean, <laughs> kind of similarly to the KU offense, like besides John Rice Plumley, because what's his health status right. going to be? Uh, is he going to be able to scramble as effectively as we know he can? Uh, that That's kind of a big question. And then you look at the running backs with Harvey and Richardson. You got two guys there. You look at the wide receivers, which I, I I almost feel like the wide receivers are maybe not being talked about enough for UCF in terms of the talent that they possess, uh, just because I think there's been a lot of focus on the running game. But I'll go with Richardson here, Johnny Richardson, the running back for UCF. He's a really dynamic player, had over 100 yards against Baylor, only six carries, by the way. Uh, so a really, really explosive player and a guy that KU is going to have to limit. And I, again, I, I think I, I'm picking Richardson, but Harvey, I think their other guy could easily have a great game as well. I think it's kind of the same way as Daniel Hyshaw and Devin Neal. So I'll go with Richardson, but this is a this is a UCF offense that has skill position guys all over the field that KU has to be aware of. Yeah, and that's where I'm going to go with this. I thought about taking uh, R. Johnny Richard V, which would be the uh, running back combo of Johnny Richardson and R.J. Harvey because both those guys are really good. But I'm going to go with uh, Kobe Hudson. <laughs> yeah, you need to workshop that one I know. some more. No, Kobe Hudson... <laughs> is the leading receiver for UCF. Yeah. He's, He's the guy senior. that I'm actually most worried about. Yes. Uh, 21 catches on the year, so not like a ton of catches. You know, that's a solid number. But 468 yards. He's averaging over 22 yards per catch. He's a former Auburn player, transferred over after having 580 yards in, in his sophomore season at Auburn, had 640 last year at UCF. Now he's going to surpass that even more. But 22 yards per catch. He is a deep play threat. They like to push the ball vertically. And as much attention as KU is going to have to put on the running game, that means you're going to end up with a lot of islands on the outside. Yeah. And Kobe Hudson, it might only be one time, but that one time could be a 70-yard touchdown. Kobe versus Kobe. That's right. Kobe Bryant where he lines up. Kobe Hudson. Yeah. And, uh, but that is one thing, like, uh, it seems like once every game, like, I think Melo Dotson's been fine overall, but it seems like once every game, like, you think of the Nevada game, there was yeah. one against the BYU game where Melo Dotson has given up, like, BYU, a ball, there was right? a couple, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think the Chase Roberts one, it was like a 50-yard or something yeah. like that. So, that is a little bit scary that yeah. as much attention you're going to be putting against the run, he could and end up having a couple big catches as, for, for deep balls. As great as Melo Dotson is, he's got great length, he's got, I think, pretty good size and, and, and ability Probably the weakness that he does have is he's not necessarily the fastest guy, mm-hmm. and I think he is susceptible to guys kind of getting behind him or running by him, and that is something maybe to keep an eye on as well in this game. Yes. Uh, okay, so those are our players to watch. Do you have a uh, a pick for Kansas plus two? By the way, we were both three and seven on our KU game picks, so wow. maybe fade us. Well, I keep going with the under, and it keeps going over. It's so annoying. Last week you went with the over, though, and it went no, under. I did. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember doing that. You did. <laughs> Well, crap. It doesn't seem to matter what I do then. Uh, I'll go. Uh, I don't even know. What, what is the number, by the way? It's, it's pretty high, right? 60. The over under is 64. Yeah, 64. Yeah. I'll go over on that. Okay. Uh, for KU, gosh. I'm going to take KU. I, I This is a game where I think you're at home against a team of similar skill level, similar, you know, similar. There's a lot of similarities there. You're, I think. Home field has to be the difference here, so I'm, I'm hoping that the, you know that KU fans show up and are, and are loud and proud uh, at the booth uh, tomorrow, and it should be a really exciting environment. And I'm, I hope I think that these are the types of games where, like I think when you look at like the NFL, these are the types of games where it could still go either way. Mm-hmm. At the college level, if you have if you have legit home field, that makes a big difference in a game. I'll lean Kansas here in a tight game. So I'm going to go the over as well. I think a high scoring game, and and this is my biggest worry here. 
the Kansas defense is going to struggle. UCF is going to throw some tempo at you here and there. Um, they're really explosive on the outside. Quarterback running game, that's been a problem for KU. They have a bunch of athletes. Yeah. Here, here's the thing that the UCF does really well. They get the ball in the hands of athletes, whether it's their two stud running backs, their receivers on the outside, or even the quarterback running the ball, and they make you miss. You have to be good tackling the open field. And that has not been something that I would deem Kansas has been good at so far this season. They've been, I think they've been, they were pretty good early in the year, but they have not been as good lately. But see, when I look at the games that they've done well with the missed tackle numbers, it's teams that aren't super athletic. Like BYU, yeah, no. they had a good no, tackle. I know, game. yeah, so not this, super athletic. That, that's that's the big difference here. I, I think I mentioned this earlier in the week too. But you look at the games that were, where KU has played so far against teams like Illinois and BYU, where you felt like KU had a mm-hmm. pretty significant speed and agility advantage. That is not the case no. in a game like this. And the Texas game, they did, and, and we saw what happened. So I think because of that, I think UCF is going to put up a big number in this game. And that's my worry with Jason Bean, that we've seen Bean be able to match big point totals and get, like, you think of the Oklahoma game last year, but it's just there's those one or two plays, whether it's an interception or a misread option or, you know, sliding a few yards short of the sticks that has kind of cost them maybe the win there, that I'm going to go with UCF in this one. I think UCF could score high 30s, maybe even into the 40s in this game, and I could see Kansas sitting around the 31-point mark. So I'm going to pick UCF with the win, but I am going to pick a lot of points, and I'm going to take the over there. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see. All right, let's get to uh, some KU football player audio, some KU basketball player audio coming up throughout the rest of the hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.